Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. We finished the book of Exodus yesterday, so now we're going to hop into the New Testament here. I know it's it's been fun, like with the stories and the narrative, and I like those Old Testament stories and just all how visual they are. You can just kind of imagine everything happening like a movie. But you know, it's good to be back in the New Testament, though, just to have that that, that clear teaching that's just immediate from the apostles about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking at First Corinthians, so this is a. There's a lot that you could say about this letter here, but it is, in in some ways, uh, the most prominent, or at least one of the most prominent, of all the letters that Paul wrote that we have. Um, It's got a lot of themes. It's it's one of the longest letters, and we're going to get into a lot of different things, I think, in this book. So it's going to be fun. We haven't really done um, the letters of Paul in a a long while, so this will be good to sink our teeth into. And for today, we have joining us as one of our returning guests, we've got Pastor Christopher Morandi, pastor at St. John Bingen in Decatur, Indiana. I think I got that right. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back with us. I'm sorry. Um, actually, I just introduced the wrong guest. I'm sorry. I'm tra- I'm, I mean, he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. I, I called him the wrong day. What have I done? No, 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 no. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a spoiler. That's a guest who's coming up. <laughs> today we've got though still a returning guest and still a lutheran pastor uh but it's pastor ralph Preuss, pastor at trinity sydney and saint john fairview of iowa so different uh i letter state name pastor Preuss, good morning welcome back good morning no i'm at trinity in in uh in sydney montana and uh St. John up in Fairview, Montana. All right. And Stephanie, could you please update the notes so that doesn't say <laughs> Iowa anymore? <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's Montana. That's right. I knew, I knew that. I shouldn't have. I well, that. it gets more confusing. I'm retiring on Sunday and moving to Minnesota. So. Oh, oh, oh wow. Happy. Wow. Happy. Uh, jubilations in retirement wow that's that's a big life change yeah yeah it's a i'm i'm uh, kind of a little bit uh nervous about the life change but uh <laughs> it's uh it's really i was so happy to be invited to talk uh to today on this chapter such a wonderful uh chapter of the bible so thank you yeah for yeah invitation. yeah well, yeah, I know it's it's, it's uh, good. It's good to have you back, um, re- regardless of where you'll be living, <laughs> which which state, with anything from Montana to Minnesota. Um, let's go ahead, if you would please, and let's just start off with a word of prayer, and then maybe you could uh, just give us maybe a few opening remarks about uh, about maybe this chapter and and how it starts off the letter. But first, a prayer. Okay, let let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have called us uh, by your Spirit to the knowledge of your Son, and you have shown us there on the cross where he has reconciled us to you, where he's borne all our burden and washed all our sin away. We pray that you would imprint on our hearts the image of his crucifixion, that we may 
cherish and treasure this gospel truth that our sins are forgiven and we are saved from everlasting death by your grace alone, through faith in Christ, our crucified and risen Savior. Bless our study in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, this okay. is a kind, kind of a, a, not a coincidence, but I was thinking since I'm going to be retiring uh, yeah. uh, Sunday, I thought, well, what, what do I want to preach on? Because I usually preach on one of the lessons for the day and, yeah. and rarely choose a free text. Well, I decided that I would do a free text here okay. and to preach on that portion of 1 Corinthians 1 Oh. where he, he talks about uh, we preach Christ crucified, the centrality of the cross. And, yeah. and I would say that that is the theme that we get into right off the bat, is the centrality of, of the crucifixion of Jesus to our theology, it, our life, everything uh, that, that we are and do as Christians. It uh, flows from that event where where Jesus died for us, and uh, that also is the source of unity. That is the source of all uh, knowledge and strength and everything else. Okay, yeah. So I think that the, the centrality of the crucifixion is a is a theme we're going to see in First Corinthians, and I think you already connected it to another one of the big themes you just mentioned of the letter, unity. Um, maybe you want to say a little bit more about that, or maybe just kind of, again, just kind of broad stroke some of these uh, major themes that are going to be coming out in this letter? Well, yeah, the unity, he, he, uh, in, this, in this epistle, he's going to be talking, of course, we're going to jump ahead to 1 Corinthians uh, 10 and 11. We're talking about the unity there at the sacrament of the altar. The unity here in uh, verse uh, 10 of this, uh, of this chapter is the unity in faith, uh, that, that there are so many things that can cause division, uh, but the Word of God, centered on the crucifixion of Jesus, is what unites us. And uh, he'll, be, he'll be making that point throughout his, his epistle here. Right. And... And, and I think that that's um, something that we kind of got to a little bit with uh, the, the the psalm that we looked at the other day. Um, that, that is a psalm, I think it was 94, how we, we saw in that psalm, which, which Paul, I think it, it was uh, in chapter 3 that he cites that one, that um, in that way, uh, he's connecting this idea of humility to their present circumstances about division, and uh-huh. the two go hand in hand, and it's sort of intuitive, I think, that that if when you have this idea of, you know, uh, oh, like, well, I, I'm I'm so I'm so good, and I've got I'm, I'm superior, and oh, this this, this I've this is a, a leader maybe that we can get behind, and like we we're the we're the group that has has it right. I mean, you you can see how just pride leads to factionalism and disunity. Um, just all the rest so easily. And so I I think that that's something that we as a society have collectively failed to grasp and continue to struggle with uh, that you've got to have humility. You've got to have humility about the human condition if you're going to have true unity. 
Um, and, and like you were saying that, that really comes out in the cross because what, what more of a humbling thing is there than the fact that Christ, the Lord humbled himself and mm-hmm. emptied himself in the crucifixion? No, I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, uh, when, when God offers himself up for us to shame and suffering and death, God in the flesh, uh, and this is power, this is wisdom, this is forgiveness, salvation, you know, all the, all, uh, then, then what about all the good stuff we do piled up together, all our self-importance, it just vanishes as, as, as chaff, because yeah. uh, it, uh, it's, it, it's both humbling and, and uh, exalting at the same time, but... Uh, and I no, I think you the the uh, the thing about humility. You see this also. Our society uh, does not put a premium on humility. It, right. it uh, it's just not uh, uh, considered the virtue that perhaps it once was. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a that's a really good point. Like, if it's even considered a, a virtue at all, right? Like, if you were to name, you know, virtues, modern virtues, like I don't think they. Uh, people would mention humility. I think they would kind of say rather self-esteem. Right. Um, right. We emphasize that, which, you know, I mean, sure, done right is, you know, uh, c- can be virtuous in, in a sense. Um, I mean, I think it has, in the classical sense, probably more to do with fortitude um, than with with humility or its opposite, arrogance or pride, right? But yeah, no, it's, it's uh, overlooked today and, well... Yeah, we'll we'll be getting into that. This First Corinthians is is amazing. The stuff on Christian unity, um, but without spoiling the whole book, <laughs> let's uh, let's just focus here on on First Corinthians, kind of bearing those things in mind that you've kind of laid out for us here, and we're just going to read through chapter one, and then we'll kind of circle back around and look at some of these details and the greeting. But first, we'll just read the chapter. We have to get the whole thing out there. Here it is, First Corinthians chapter one in the English Standard Version. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that's in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did also baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I 
don't know whether I baptize anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discerning of the dis- discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what's weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It's a really powerful opening to this letter, um, it, it's just, as, as I'm reading through it, I'm just being reminded of all the reasons why this is just one of my favorite books in the New Testament. Um, I probably say that too often, though, to be fair. But, I mean, I really do like First Corinthians um, in particular. It's just, there's, there's so much depth to it. Um, I, I think that w- one of the things that I really just like in general about, uh, about these, these openings that Paul has they are they are so man you know he 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 downplays eloquence and wisdom but man paul is on top of it yeah. <laughs> this guy was a letter writer he was educated i, I was uh I, I was i was talking at a high school recently and I, I was saying you know guys like don't overlook paul this this guy like you know has the equivalent of like a, t- a phd today you know i mean this is a super educated guy He's really good at this. And even when he's like doing the Thanksgiving part, he is already setting up the argument that he's going to have later. Overtly, he already has laid it out there in verse 10. He laid it out. Hey, the big problem here is division. So he's already named that explicitly as a theme. But already in the verses before that, he's already hinting at some of the, the sub points, right? He mentions so that you are not lacking in any gift, Right. And like, oh, yes, because spiritual gifts are a thing here. Right. And before that, you know, in every way you enriched in uh, him and all speech and all knowledge. Oh, yeah, because uh, speech, particularly tongues, 
and knowledge, particularly the idea of wisdom. Those are also problems and sources of the division. So he's already named this stuff in this really subtle way, and he's already like actually subtly proposed the solution just in the introduction to his letter. So, yeah, Paul is really, really good, and I, I like reading these these chapter ones of his letters because it just reminds me of how good he is um, and to how the Spirit used that brilliant rhetoric to build up the church. No, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's a very and and he does he 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 uh, he establishes uh, what God is giving them. What I just think is so remarkable, and it's a lesson to us pastors who get discouraged. Uh, uh, this church has trouble, real problems, <laughs> and how does he treat them? He treats them uh, as as Christians. He treats them as saints. He talks about them as saints. He points them to to their Savior uh, throughout in this first chapter. How many do, times does he say, "Our Lord Jesus Christ," and yeah. and and constantly calling them back to their identity here? And uh, uh, he's going to get into the criticism later. But he establishes that good pastoral, evangelical kind of a relationship at the outset. It's a really good point. Um, yeah, like and like you were saying, it's really an example, I think, to us pastors that, yeah, th- this congregation has problems. If they brought in a consultant, right, like, who knows what this consultant's going to say? <laughs> you know, like, uh, guys, like, are, are, are your people even Christians? You know, the things that they say— the things that they're doing, right? I mean, you might you might get in all kinds of things about this, right? But like, what's it say in verse four? I give thanks to my God always for you. I, I mean, and and, just, and not even just like you know, in just kind of a generic way, like oh, you know, I thank God for you guys. I'm not going to spell out what because you know there's not much to give thanks for. But I give I give thanks. No, no, it's not weak at all because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. I mean, and then he says, even as the testimony of Christ, um, about Christ was confirmed among you, uh, I think, I mean, well, we can get into this, I think that means even from the very beginning, which is to say that you guys have been, I mean, so spiritually blessed, even from the very outset. But, I mean, he, he's commending them for being really an impressive group of Christians, which, which is just really something that, that he finds all that positive to praise as, as their pastor, um, even despite the problems. I, I totally yeah. agree. This is, this is an inspirational example for how we should be dealing with God's people. And, as, and, and throughout this, he is, he's, he's, he's talking about the gift, the grace, the gift, God-giving, yep. God-giving. Yeah. So it's not like the kind of flattery, you know, that people will use, insincere flattery that uh, people are accustomed to giving and hearing, you know, but uh, he, he presents it uh, uh, in, 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 from an evangelical uh, perspective, that is, as, as the gospel gift. That's right. That's right. Well, just the, the emphasis, yeah, on, on the gospel, and, and really just, you know, yeah, there, there's, there's real problems that we need to fix, right? But... Um, even even still, we're gonna we're gonna fix it uh, by going back and doubling down on the gospel. Um, I, I mean, so yeah, there's 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 a lot of really good stuff for for us to consider here. Um, but 
But yeah, let, let's go ahead then and, and take a look at some of this in detail, because this is, for chapter one here, there's a lot going on. And so we, we start here with the greeting. Uh, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. Um, two things, I think. You know, one, Paul doesn't... doesn't this is a common introduction for Paul, mentioning his calling, um, but it's not a throwaway, I think. He's, he's already mentioned here the will of God, which is a theme that, that comes out here, because he's, he's going to use this will of God theme to really argue against worldly wisdom, because will of God goes, goes over it. Um, so, so by connecting himself to the will of God, uh, and he's already later in this chapter going to connect himself to foolishness, right? Um, this called by the gospel, called by the gospel, is called by the will of God to be an apostle is is already a, a big theme. It's important. So the way he's introducing himself is is a big deal. Um, and then and then we have and our brother Sosthenes, and that's just I think that that's even not a throwaway. Like I I think there's even something that he's in in the best way possible up to by naming this seemingly perhaps even insignificant guy who might just be copying down what Paul says as he dictates. But I don't, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about his introduction of himself? Well, it's uh, he. some of these folks in Corinth are questioning uh, his authority, and he has to establish that uh, he, is a, he is a sent by Christ. He's a spokesman of Christ. And uh, he's not promoting himself, obviously. He'll get into that. But he is right. speaking for God. And, and so uh, you, you, the, to call by the will of God to be an apostle, uh, listen up. Uh, this isn't Paul's musings or opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is God speaking. And so he needs to establish that from the outset. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I, frankly, I can't quite make out what Sosthenes uh, uh what his purpose in mentioning him is, but you, you, you what were you, uh, you just mentioned that. Well, well, just, so, so there's an interesting balance here, right? Because on the one hand, you're right, like, uh, overall, just by me- mentioning his name and his, his title, right, it, it is establishing his own authority, right? But he is, in his very writing, trying to emphasize that, guys, it's not all about power and authority and prestige and all the rest of it. Um, and, and furthermore, that we should not be ashamed of a, a, a lesser or less impressive or less well-connected or, um, you know, less wealthy well, brother or sister. And so I, there's part of me that wonders if this is like a moment like where like the Lord Jesus sits down the disciples and sits down a children in their a child in their midst— yeah. Um, and says, so, no, I'd be like this child. So like Sosthenes is, maybe he's just a servant, right? Maybe he's a, you know, what they would say is a nobody here, right? But he's the first person that gets mentioned yeah. uh, other than Paul himself. And so I, I think that might be a little bit of leading by example here. No, I think, I, I see your point. No, I, I think I think you're right. It's, uh, uh, this isn't all about, this isn't all about me. <clears throat> and And the Christians all have different gifts. So get into the different parts of the body and all that later. But the fact that he he wants to treat Sosthenes uh, with with uh, with respect as a brother, he's identifying him right. as our brother. Mm-hmm. R- right. Yeah. Well, and and, uh, and it is interesting, right? The the way that he puts it there, right? Because he doesn't even say um, my brother. Um, 
you know, and in the Greek, it's well, it's just brother Sosthenes. It's just with with a definite article, um, almost giving him a title. Um, and, and to your point, yeah, including him, as it says in the English translation, um, including him as their brother too, right? So just like, hey guys, this is how you need to be thinking about Christians. They're your brothers. You don't you don't get to exclude them because you say I'm of Paul or you're of Apollos. Like, no, you're all brothers. I mean, I, I think he really is like, a little bit yeah. just already leading by example, and it's just the first sentence, but. So, so much to unpack. We're going to have to go a little bit faster for the second half. Everybody hang on. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 here on Nice Strong Word, and we'll be right back. On this Wednesday, August 5th, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Marty and Deborah Abushan of St. Louis, Missouri. Marty and Deborah made a gift to KFUO Radio in thanksgiving to God for his many blessings and especially for his healing of their daughter, Kate. Thank you, Marty and Deborah Abushan, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO day sponsors. A five-year-old boy once observed God has the whole world in his hands, but sometimes he drops it. Hear how Dr. Dale Meyer responded to that young philosopher in a classic Lutheran Hour message titled, Over the Darkness, God Hovers. Archives August continues this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The LCMS Life Ministry has a new director, Deaconess Tiffany Manor. She's my guest on World Lutheran News Digest Wednesday at 2.30 and again Saturday at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting a new book of the Bible, getting back into the New Testament after our 40 chapters of wilderness wandering. Uh, well, it wasn't all 40 in Exodus, right? Like only the, the second half of it was wilderness wandering. But yeah, so here we're unpacking the, the depth and the brilliance of the letter writing here of Paul as he's emphasizing this theme of uh, unity, in unity in the humility of Christ Jesus crucified. We're joined today by our guest, Pastor Rolf Preuss, uh, pastor at Trinity, Sydney, and St. John Fairview in Montana. But, uh, as as you said, brother, uh, re- retiring, and, and I think you said, like, this this weekend is like the farewell, and you're, and you're preaching on 1 Corinthians 1. That's right. Verses 18 through 25. Yeah, that's that that's uh that's that's just perfect. <laughs> uh but you know, it's uh and and this uh this verse um kind of gets echoed elsewhere too um in, in the writings of 
Paul, this idea of, um, you know, like the, the, the Christ crucified idea, right? Like that's not even the only uh, place where he, he puts it. But I mean, yeah, that this emphasis is something that we see here in First Corinthians and um, throughout all of Paul's epistles. Uh, I want to make sure I invite before we get back into the conversation we were having about the introduction. Um, if anyone is listening live and you have a question, well, you can join in. If you give us a call, you can call 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850, or you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org, or you can get on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa, and just uh, put a comment there in the box. But so, oh, and I don't neglect to think. Uh, yesterday we were joking around about all the Lutheran acronyms. Well, LHF is a good one, Lutheran Heritage Foundation. There are underwriters. Thank you for supporting Thy Strong Word, guys. Their website, lhfmissions.org. So, so yeah, so we were just talking about his introduction, which is just so full of uh, good stuff already. Um, and then in verse 2, you know, it says, you know, he, it's as interesting. He doesn't say, like, to the Corinthian church. Um, he doesn't say to <clears throat> the uh, the Pauline faction, because <laughs> it seems like there's different factions going on. He, he addresses them as to the church of God, um, which, again, I think is he's just being really smart again. Um, he, he's kind of saying, like, look, for, first and foremost, you aren't any of those other things that you're calling yourself— you're the Church of God. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, it's true that th- this is kind of a general way that can refer to uh, kind of any of these broader collections. Whenever he says Church of God, whether it's in Corinth or, or Rome or wherever, it, it means not just any one particular house church, but all of them. But I, I think it's deliberately used here, too, to be saying, hey, look, um, it's not about these factions that you're claiming. It's about it's about God. It's about Christ. Um, it's about sanctification. Interesting that he brings that up already now. Yeah, it's uh, the you. You've got the church in Corinth sanctified. It's God's church in Corinth, and then it goes immediately on together with all those who, in every place, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So um, he's talking to everybody. He's talking first of all to the Church of God located in Corinth. But here we are, you know, almost 2,000 years later. We're reading the same <laughs> right. words. He's talking He's talking to us. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that, that's a good point that I, I feel like by mentioning sanctification now, um, and there because there, there might be a few reasons why he wants to get into sanctification, because he's, he's, he's going to be talking about that, um, about some of the very unsanctified things that they're doing. Um, so emphasizing sanctification is not a surprise. Also, generally, uh, it's been it's been kind of remarked in different commentaries and um, theological writings that you know these are relatively all new churches. Paul himself planted a number of them, and as these kind of new fledgling churches that are kind of emerging, I mean, it really in a kind of a uh, fledgling movement, religious movement, um, out of paganism um, as the pride is a primary backdrop, it's not surprising that he would talk a lot about sanctification because they don't know how to live as Christians when everything around them is super pagan. So you've got all that going on, and I think all that makes sense. But to your point, by, by kind of saying, hey, guys, let's, let's, be, let's be clear about what 
what being a Christian is, right? Um, it's it's whoever is being sanctified, which means it's not just you guys. <laughs> it's not just you guys over here, not just you guys over there, but it's at all of us. Um, you know, it, it, I think is kind of uh, here actually a little bit of a, an inclusive move that I think is kind of again aimed at the cliquish exclusivity that's going on in Corinth. Yeah. Yes, I think so. It's uh, and uh, well, there's a sectarian spirit. I think in everybody. Yeah. We got our own little clique, yeah. and uh, we confuse our clique with the church. And he's not going to let us do that with these words here. Well, and also, kind of, I mean, is, isn't it just uh, when you when you have that sectarian spirit, as you put it, isn't that hard to to talk about the other side and to say, yeah, they're holy and loved by God. Yeah. I mean, think think about that, right? Like, let's just let's have a challenge, right? You know, um, all the people with R by their name or D by their name. Before you say anything about the one with the other letter, you have to say uh, you have to, before you say their name, you have to say um, "holy and loved by God." I, I mean, like, I just don't know how many times we just have people like cringing and tripping over themselves, right? Like, we just that that's it's a really interesting thing that he's going to like kind of heap this praise um, on them that, that just kind of says, you know what, uh, you, you're, we're going to say this about each other. And then I think we're going to do a lot better when it comes to the stuff about bad mouthing each other and having that divisiveness. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so, so there's kind of the, uh, this introduction, very inclusive, um, you know, kind of just already setting up his kind of unity theme. And so, like we were saying in verse four, he moves on to this, you know, I give thanks to my God always for you. Um, not the, uh, only place where he says this. I mean, he says something very similar to the church in Rome. Um, I feel like in Philippians, he says something about like, I thank God all the time for you. So, uh, not not exclusive, but I mean, it's, it's striking that he starts here in first Corinthians, you know, maybe, you know, maybe because he uh, is trying to establish himself, maybe because, uh, as you were mentioning, maybe because there are some really big problems. He kind of needs to put the good thing first here (laughs) to, to show that he's not like against them and that, you know, he, yeah, he wants to correct them, but you know, he, he loves them first of all, like, and he, and he genuinely does, you know, think of them well, uh, that, that is, a, as you were saying, a, a good pastoral example. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's something when, when we think of the church, and you think of the ministry of the church, it's always, it's always Christ's ministry because the sheep belong to the shepherd who is Christ. And so he treats them as precious because of how God values them as precious. And of course, this is where the whole, the whole power and wisdom of the crucifixion comes in. Because there you see how, how, how precious are we, how important are we, how does how it, well, that, that God himself would become our brother to, to go to the cross uh, in our stead. So all, all of this is, is a part of Paul's uh, treatment of them, he, he, he knows how precious they are in God's sight, and that's how he wants to treat them. Uh, whether he is talking here about all the gifts God's given them, 
or later on when he's going to have to correct them for for abuses. Right. It's it's really making sure he hasn't put the cart before uh, the horse here and start starting off with the the source of all their unity, the the source of all the all the power and all the wisdom. And it's interesting then as as he's doing this, you know, in in verse 6, you know, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. I wanted to talk about that a little bit. You know, what what is that referring to? It was confirmed among you. I feel like that's a, and, and he follows it up so that you are not lacking in any gift, right? Like, what what is he talking about? Like, what 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 confirmed the testimony? Like, so apparently there was testimony preached, but then there was confirmations. What, what's he talking about here? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I you know, some some might point to uh, all sorts of supernatural visible gifts. Uh, uh, or we could just simply say, what does the testimony about Christ, what does the testimony about Christ actually achieve? Well, it works faith. How How is it confirmed among you? You believe it, and God is the reason. And so this then yields what follows, you know, the spiritual gift and and so forth. So I would say the testimony being confirmed is that uh, uh, we speak about the testimony of the Holy Spirit through the Word. Right. right. Well, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about um, the things that happen with, as you were saying, the creation of faith. Uh, I think that, you know, th- this is where things can get a little bit tricky because, um, and I do, I do see the questions that just came in over email. Thank you. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, it is tricky because we can get hung up on, okay, like, has has the testimony been confirmed or has your faith been confirmed? And, and we point to different things, right? And so some people might say, like, well, you need a confirmation ceremony, and then you're confirmed. Um, yeah. other, other people would say, well, you, you need spiritual signs. You need to speak in tongues. You need to, you know, have this dramatic you know, slain in the spirit thing. Um, and there's different kinds of emphases that people have on what kind of confirmation is there that this faith is, has happened and taken root, right, to, to use the parable of the sower that our Lord does. Um, and so it's kind of like, okay, those are our different emphases. Well, well what's Paul getting at? Well, um, as you were saying, I don't think the focus is very ever far from faith itself. Um, and, and yet... I do think there is at least, uh, yeah, I, I do think the supernatural things in view, though, because it's interesting how Paul gets back to this. He always he always points us, whether it's here in Corinthians or it's in Romans or elsewhere, he points to it as like kind of an objective thing that you can look at and see, um, that, that they all can just—none no, no, of them can deny. They're like, yeah, well, that happened. Um, and, and the way he talks about it, it, it seems to be kind of akin to what you have in Acts— where there there are these different moments, and we, we talk about sometimes like uh, the, the the Samaritan Pentecost. That it seems that in 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 this miraculous or in this very special time in God's plan, He confirmed not simply that oh yeah these individuals are are in the faith or are real Christians, but rather that oh yeah the the word of God has come to Corinth now too. And yeah, the word of God has come to Samaria now too. And there were there were these outward manifestations of the Spirit, like you know, 
flames of fire and speaking in tongues and a great wind and all the rest, because it was God not just saying, oh yeah, these are real Christians, but yes, the the circle that goes out from Jerusalem has gotten a little bit bigger today. So I, I think when you appreciate it that way, we can say, yeah, there was super, supernatural stuff going on. However, the point was never about the individual. So why would we expect supernatural science today when, you know, I, I mean, like, for instance, here in like America, when the gospel has been here in America for a little while now, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. And the testimony is, <clears throat> the testimony about Christ <clears throat> is an objective truth. And yeah. to, and, and, uh, and that is, of course, then the, from that faith and everything else arise. But you've got to have, you've got to have uh, something that is objectively so, uh, we're, we're, this isn't just an inward-looking type of a thing. No, it's not. It's not inward-looking, and um, and then just of course, you know, uh, when you had you know Pentecost, for example, right? Did the spirit just show up and it's like, oh wow, look, they have powers? No, I mean they they spoke. They yeah. they spoke the gospel about Christ. They proclaimed Christ crucified. So you know, again, like what you were saying, the kind of the objectivity of the, of the message. So. Um, that would have been what what would have happened with the Corinthians as well. That if if there were supernatural signs, um, it would have been as a way of confirming not merely that the gospel had appeared there, but that it was being uh, it was confirmation of the things that they were saying. So that these Corinthians were proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Uh, died on the cross, risen from the dead, and sent into heaven, that we're, we're, we, are, we are getting back to that, um, get, getting back to that, that core message. So that when he mentions then gifts, right, it's all in the context of Christ again, right? It's not, it's like, hey guys, I'm kind of really subtly suggesting this here, right, in verse, uh, in verse 7. It, it's not just about having gifts, spiritual powers or something, Right, it's about those gifts as they lend themselves to the gospel. Right, and then yeah. it already says, "As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless." I mean, like he's already kind of setting it up. Yeah, and these gifts are just kind of things for the meantime. They're just things that benefit God's plan until Jesus comes. Because when Jesus comes, all those gifts they're not going to matter. And that's exactly what he says. I think it's in um. I think it's in First uh, Corinthians. Is it thirteen there where he talks about that? But I mean, I mean, he's already setting himself up for that. Yeah, yeah, and and he's and 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 you're going to see him develop this into the preaching. So let's focus on the preaching of Christ crucified, and the, so uh, maybe I don't know if this is too simple a way to distinguish. But on the one hand, we've got the authority of the of the word uh, as far as its truthfulness is concerned. And then you've got the authority of the gospel as far as its its power, efficacy is concerned. And then in the first instance, he establishes his apostle. He's an office. He holds the office of apostle, and the testimony is confirmed about Christ. Then he gets into what it is, what it actually is. That is, the message of forgiveness, salvation through the crucifixion of Jesus. But you you have to have both the authority the truthfulness of what we're saying, and then also the substance of what we're saying, which is, of course, the preaching of Christ crucified. Uh, a- amen. 
let's go ahead and take a look at some of these questions that we had sent in uh, via. Well, actually, wait. Uh, so we, uh, our, our brother James, he sent in some email questions. I was just about to give those a read, but he's actually on the phone. So we'll let him pose the questions himself. Good morning, James. Good to hear from you. Uh, you got some questions for us, I saw. Yes, I actually wanted to call in because I thought this may be one of the last times I get a chance to engage uh, good Pastor Price on the Bible study. I've listened to him over the years and, and always enjoyed his commentary. Um, and uh, I like to I like to like to separate these uh, uh, questions, the first two for uh, the good pastor and the second for you. Uh, I like to ask the pastor just talking about his mindset. Um, will he still uh, have those sleepless nights, you know, where you're concerned and worried about your former congregants falling into sectarianism? Or once you retire, will you continue to be troubled about those foolish things that confound, um, you know, congregants from the world and, and might bring some bipartisan confusion and, stuff in from the uh, public square into the church. And uh, for you, moderator, um, those those questions, if you have them, I'll, I'll just leave you to interpret them. But I, I, I specifically would like to know if you guys or if you know if the seminarians still study uh, Pastor uh, A.L. Barry's uh, What About series. Because uh, whenever I heard him on the Bible study, I heard him preach and te- teach, he never seemed to have lost his love for the parish. He always seemed to be the pastor president. So yeah. if you can yeah. address those questions, I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, th- th- thanks. thanks for those questions, James. Um, I, I hope this won't be the last time that we have Pastor Price on the program. Uh, just because I think I think we've said this before. Just because you retire, you you do never stop being ordained. That that is that is a thing. Just as you know, like it's a Christ, being a Christian is not like a a job that you retire from, right? So I mean, uh, I I'd be happy, brother, to have you back on in the future. But I certainly can understand if you want to take some time to just kind of readjust to the new rhythms of things. But, but yes, please. Those are interesting questions that James posed about, um, you know, I mean, kind of that, that pastoral heart and spirit that Paul is showing here, how that, uh, you anticipate that might be for you. Well, you know, it's kind of like it took me, I don't know how other men experience this. It took me several years before I finally adjusted to the fact that I am a pastor. This isn't, isn't something that you just turn on and off, you know, it's like what God, God gives you. Now I've been blessed. I have eight sons who are pastors and I have another son who's a first year student at the seminary in Fort Wayne. And, uh, they connect me. Uh, we visit on the phone. They connect me with uh, the ministry in their place. And it's just a, uh, it's just something that it's just such a privilege to to give the word of God in in where wherever you may be, and to receive it. So while um, I, I can't really answer uh, James's question because I, I'm not there yet. <laughs> so how how am I going to feel? How am I going to experience things? I, I really don't know. But I love theology and I love teaching it, and uh, so uh, uh, hopefully we'll have the opportunity to continue yeah. doing that. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I feel it seems like a wise answer, right? And like, I'll, I'll tell you how I feel about it once I, once I, once I can feel it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I would anticipate that you know you, uh, you, you never are, are gonna forget, uh, you know, those different congregations that that you've served and. And uh, I mean, I think Paul, I mean, Paul's kind of indicative a little bit of that where, you know, he, he started these congregations, right? But just because he started it, right, doesn't mean that it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm done now. Like, I'm moving on. It'd be, it'd be, it, would, it wouldn't be professional for me to correspond with that congregation anymore. I mean, truth be told, um, there's a significant difference between, you know, that situation as an apostle, right, and, and parish pastors. So that that's an important asterisk. But... Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, there's probably at least something that's being indicated here that there, there's some level of that where a pastor is like thinking about, you know, wh- what's what's to come of that, and uh, I'm sure any pastor would be uh, eager to to help if the if the if the pastor who takes over uh, for him were to ask for that help. Certainly, um, to to the, since we're out of, running out of time here, just really briefly to the questions that James had um, for me in particular. Uh, you know, so here, this is a, this is the easier one. So the one about uh, the writings of President A. L. Barry, I do not recall uh, when I was there, not even that that long ago. Um, started, I guess, yeah, I started there in the, in the fall of 2010, so 10 years ago. I do not recall anything on the reading list from Barry uh, in particular, but that that kind of pastoral emphasis emphasis is really in so many of the things that we did read. Um, Luther, of course. I mean, never really. I mean, I mean, he was a professor, but he was so pastoral in his in his approach. But I think it really some of the most pastoral stuff that we I remember reading clearly was the stuff of Walther, who's just I mean, extremely pastoral. And, and then like we just I remember loving reading his sermons too. Just um, he had a real sense of how he engaged with the parish. So I mean, that emphasis is certainly there at our seminaries. Um, it's it's not just kind of like it's it's not theology as a as a theoretical academic thing um but then like the other question he had was like about the demagoguery was the word that james used good word james uh that's going on in the in the public square and yeah yeah, i I think i think in a nutshell the uh the ideologies of the day are playing on pride and they're playing on uh, disunity and and i and i think that it kind of as i was hinting before the the antidote for that is humility, um, but that's that's kind of a bitter pill to swallow um, because you gotta say, hey, look, I'm not actually that great. I'm not actually that special. Uh, actually, I have a lot of sin, and it really messes up the whole thing. And and, and really, my worth is not even in myself, but in Christ. I mean that it's just, that's just not that's just not what the culture wants to say these days. So um, yeah, I think that's always going to happen though. I don't think we should be surprised by that. I don't think in some ways we can really change the nature of the political beast. I think it's always going to kind of be doing that stuff. Um, yeah, but and, there's room and, for the Christian to work in in that context. And in, I think in particularly when, uh, obviously, we don't want to neglect uh, trying to uh, defend a Christian culture uh, and, and so forth. I, I, I wouldn't and I don't want to in any way denigrate uh, participation in the kingdom of of the left hand that right. is political that on the other hand when things are going bad in the nation things are very conflicted in the nation there's the temptation to say hey let's fight that let's fight that that'll be yeah. our battle when 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 
in here in this in this chapter, you've got the the the, the power and the wisdom of God are not in the civil disputes that we're right. witnessing. It's it's here in the the cross. This is a spiritual uh, truth that that is going to be there when America is history. Yeah. So I think we really need to be focused on on the gospel, the gospel of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, uh, and not be sidetracked by other that, concerns. I think that's really, really well said, very, very balanced. Um, but yeah, what, when he goes into the second section then and talks about the divisions that are among them, so he's dealing with divisions in the church, first of all, um, in, you know, which is, I think, interesting. He's not trying to address societal divisions at large. That's, that's a pretty big animal to get your hands around. He's talking about right. the divisions in the church, and I think that in many ways we kind of always have to start there, <laughs> because if, if the society as a whole is very divided, the church is probably divided too. Um, the, the two seem to correlate. But but just as you were saying here, right, he's like, hey, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach. And that's an interesting way of saying it, right? Because it's not like he's denigrating baptism, but again, it's just the point was not kissing babies and being in front of the camera, right? Yeah. I, I think yes. that, that's what he's getting at. Like, no, not, not anything against right. baptism. He's just saying, the point was not that I'd be flashy and have my name get around, but it's the gospel. That's the power of God. Um, we don't want wisdom to rob the cross of Christ of its power, is what he says in verse 17. So I, I think that's exactly what you're getting at, that, yeah, yeah we, we can't ever lose the emphasis. Yeah, we can engage with that left-hand kingdom stuff, but the we can't lose our focus or else we're saying that the the cross is somehow irrelevant or not applicable or not that helpful. And that preaching endures when we preachers fade away. The preachers come and go, but the preaching remains. Amen. Amen. Well, I think we'll have a chance to kind of talk about some of the themes in the second half uh, next time on chapter two. But thank you so much, brother. So good having you. Uh, God's blessings on your retirement and this new adventure in life. Thank you. Everybody, that was Pastor Ralph Preuss, pastor at Trinity Sydney in St. John Fairview in Montana. Moving on to chapter two. This is really cool. I love First Corinthians. Until then, I'm Pastor H.E. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.